I remember I got my first opportunity with him uh, with the ones like the second day of practice. Um, they was like, hey, you get to go in there with the ones this play. I knew my route it was something easy. Sure enough, Aaron Rodgers starts audibling and giving me hand signals, and I end up messing up the route. And I, I remember him telling it plain as day. He was like, hey, Coach E.B., don't put Charles back in with me until he knows his plays. I was like, man, it's my second day, and you're audibling and giving me hand signals. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every 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 day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. Today's episode, we're going to have former Vikings receiver Charles Johnson. He has some good things to talk about. Why? Because he was a part of the U.S. Bank Stadium Open. He also played with Stefan Diggs, and we know where that career took off in 2014, 15. Um, you look at what Charles Johnson's seen in that locker room. You talk about Adam Thielen. Uh, you talk about coordinator changes. Charles Johnson has some good stuff for us there. And then, of course, we're going to have to talk a little bit about uh, CBS Sports and the Timberwolves. Who can the Timberwolves draft? Like, what is it going to look like? They're not top three. So who do they get? And then, of course, Vikings, Warriors, uh, and and. Who could who what playoff team could have in Minnesota could make the fans feel better about Minnesota sports? As I bring Sam Extram in, Sam, Minnesota sports seem to be cursed, is what people think. Um, I am a transplant here, I guess I'd say. Came here in 98 for college, left, played a little football, did some things, traveled, came back 2009 and uh 2010-ish, I guess I'd say, 11. We kind of say, yep, this is where we want to be. If you think of and and for me, so I didn't ever really get the vibe of cursed. Um, I, I look back at history and I'm like, man, you guys went to four Super Bowls. You know, man, you guys won with Kirby Puckett. You know, I mean, the the Minneapolis Lakers. Can you try to say the LA Lakers? <laughs> no, because you're not the Timberwolves now. And so if you think about Minnesota sports, Sam, and you look at the Warriors, for instance, beating the Mavs. You know, you look at the Warriors handling the Grizzlies. Could the Timberwolves have done that? You look back to Kevin Garnett with the Lakers. Never really got over the hump. Uh, made it made it to the to, to deep into the playoffs. Couldn't get over the hump. You look at the Vikings last couple of years. And we're not going to go back to the Super Bowls because I'm not going to pull Band-Aids off old wounds. Um, but if you, if you look at recently, beat the Saints twice. Turned around, laid an egg against the Eagles. Turned right back around uh, a couple years later. Lost to the 49ers. And this is where I go with this. And, and then again, you look at, you know, the wild, the blues have a chance to tie it up with the avalanche, force them to a, a pivotal game seven. And that's anybody's game at that point It's one game, one team moves on, whoever's skating better that night, whoever's uh, being a little bit more aggressive, whoever's passing better, whoever's not turning the ball or whoever's special teams are better, uh, whoever's not ending up in the penalty box and, and at full strength the most can win that game. It only takes a, a referee to really screw it up, too, to just start calling some crap. And that's what Minnesota fans think that happens to them all the time. Uh, even if we made it against the Avalanche, we would have got killed. Or I've heard people say that. Well, look at the Blues. They're right in there. And so when I, when, I, when I dive back into the Vikings and I look at what Kevin O'Connell can possibly do, the Eagles, 
<laughs> I don't know if anybody could do anything about that game. Uh, that was a blowout. Um, I don't think Harry Potter could have done anything better in that game. Uh, there, there was just so much going on with the Eagles. Uh, so much, if you think about what they were going through at that time, what the city of Philadelphia had been through, um, you look at the players at that time and, and Nick Foles and that story, eh, it was it was Cinderella. It was destiny for them to get to where they were. But then you look at the 49ers game and, and you wonder what was missing. And then Sam, in my opinion, I feel like it was some offensive ingenuity. You look at what the 49ers did, the way they were able to move the ball. You see frustration uh, from players. Uh, you see frustration from guys wanting the ball. And and whether it's the play wasn't called, the, the play didn't seem right to Kirk Cousins, whatever it might be, you just saw the frustration. And so, Sam, as I think about that, and I think about the playoff uh, lack thereof or, or the, the, the ability to get over the hump, I think Kevin O'Connell – in this offense could be the answer because that's usually the answer in playoffs. You know, defense slows teams down, but you look at the Bills and the, and the Chiefs, that was offense. That was two offensive juggernauts going back and forth. You look at Tom Brady coming back on the uh, Falcons, that was offense. Yes, his defense slowed Matt Ryan down, but his defense also let Murray Ryan get 28 points, and, and one of which was an interception time. We know Tom Brady threw a pick six. Um, but if you think about that, that's offense. And that's where I go with this. I, I think the Vikings, I think if they can get to the playoffs and this offense can be what we think it could be with is look like a, a Rams looking offense with a Rams feel from the sideline. I think the Vikings can overcome some of this Minnesota curse stuff. You know, defense is not as sustainable game to game like offense is. Uh, Mike Zimmer was a defensive minded head coach, but defense fluctuates as because you are not in control of the football. The football is what matters. You're reacting to the execution on the other side of the ball. And if that execution is better, if the offense is superior, it's hard to rely on your defense game in and game out. That's why the best teams in today's NFL are driven by offense and driven by quarterback play. Now, I am of the persuasion that Success in football is about 80% roster, 20% coach. I think you got to have the players. You can have Belichick on the current Texans roster. You might win one more game, but you're probably still going to go 5-12. and 12. So I think it players matter. But that extra 20% in the playoffs, it can be a huge difference in the way those games are managed. And this Minnesota market is known for letdowns. Big win crushing loss the next week um, or even yeah. in, in hockey or basketball big win and then back to earth the next game very rarely do our local teams string anything together uh, we celebrate these one wins like they're the super bowl when really the, the best franchises are used to getting there they're used to going on runs uh, we'll get into the warriors later but the, the the success they've had in the playoffs under steve kerr it's astonishing they're just used to it uh, we're not used to it here in Minnesota. So, you know, I'd like to think that an offensive approach in those big games will maybe change things. Um, but I also want to be guarded, too, because we've seen a lot of new coaches come in this market with new cultures, and uh, and it hasn't worked out yet. So maybe O'Connell will be the curse breaker. Yeah, and, and again, I, I think it's offense. Like, he's a quarterback. 
He understands the offense, what he wants out of it, what he wants to happen next. Uh, he's going to talk to his quarterback through tight times. When games were getting tight, and this is what I noticed, and when you watch the sideline for the Vikings, when games were tight, when moments were key, the people talking to Kirk Cousins was not the head coach. The people talking to Kirk Cousins was the staff, you know, and mainly the offensive guys and mainly the quarterback's coach and maybe the coordinator if he's down there. But that was it. You didn't have this. Like if you watch Brady, every coach, Josh McDaniels, Belichick, everybody's coming over to talk to Brady when he was with the Patriots. Uh, if you look at uh, Pat Mahomes, you got Andy Reid going back there. You got Eric Bieniemy going back there. You got the receivers coach going back there. If you look at the Buccaneers, I've seen, and, and again, it's Tom Brady, so everybody wants to talk to Tom Brady, but you look at Byron Leftwich, then you look at Bruce Arians. Then you see Larry Foote come over, who's a linebacker's coach. I don't know what, maybe asking a question about, hey, what, what's going to happen in this situation or be ready for this. Like, you see so many guys on these, like, key teams when there's true um, uh, cohesiveness within the organization. You see that. But when it's pieced together and it's kind of like, this is my defense, that's your offense, you go run it, it doesn't really work. You have to have that cohesive feeling. Like Belichick, he's a defensive-minded guy that runs the offense. And I think Kevin O'Connell being an offensive-minded guy that's going to be hand-in-hand with Ed Donatel trying to figure this out, I think I think they have the recipe for success. It's just going to come down to Kirk Cousins' play, and we know that. Like, if he if he sucks, the Vikings aren't going to do anything. Like, if he doesn't have a good year and it's like, you know, 3,500 yards, it's, you know, 20 touchdowns, 18 interceptions, Jay Cutler-ish, it's not going to work. Like, if he can't figure out this offense, if he can't figure out how to check out a plays, because we've all been wanting that, check out a plays. Don't run the play just because that's what's called. If something else was there. Look at this guy wide open. Why wasn't that? Look, Justin Jefferson's man-to-man in this situation. Why not check out him and just go to Justin? Like, you have Randy Moss. Randy Moss, you say that. Like, if I notice I have man-to-man, I'm just putting my hand up. I'm out. Like, that's the things we want to see. That's the next progression uh, that I think is going to get the Vikings over this hump. But only time will tell. And so that's what we got to wait for, time. So, Sam Ekstrom, I want to thank you for that first segment, man. Good job. Now, coming up next, we have Vikings former wide receiver Charles Johnson. Stay tuned for that. If you enjoy the Ron Johnson Show, you enjoy our other daily Locked On show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's Superior Sports Talk with Care 11 Sports Director Reggie Wilson and his co-host Luke Emmon. Whether it's Twins, Vikings, Wild Wolves, um, Reggie and Luke cover it all with all the breaking news and all the big opinions. Catch the show five days a week by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. And please, podcast, podcast. Make sure you go to the podcast network, whichever one, and subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota. You can also find the Ron Johnson Show on there as well. Next up on the Ron Johnson Show, we got, I mean, I guess I can call him my cousin. We got the same last name. Charles Johnson, former Vikings wide receiver, uh, Packer, Cleveland Brown. Uh, Charles Johnson, though, unique story. I ended up meeting Charles Johnson. My wife and I met his wife first uh, at Grace Church in Eden Prayer. Our kids went to, like, preschool together um, and became friends with her at, like, I think it was, like, the, like, barbecue or cookout at the end of the year. And then later that year, the Vikings ended up, because my daughter was born in 2011, uh, but then like 2013, 14, 15, I started working for the Vikings doing stuff. And so then I see Charles later. I'm like, oh, man, that's the same dude from daycare. <laughs> and so Charles, as I welcome you to the Ron Johnson show, man, like 
let's talk about that. Like, you know, I got some cool pictures of you and I standing there at U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, you know, when it first opened. How was that experience, like, walking to the stadium, uh, you know, like opening day for the first game and just seeing it? Yeah, man. I mean, first, thanks for having me on. Um, but, man, I remember when they built that stadium. My first two years there in Minnesota, we were outside at the Gopher Stadium. So <laughs> it's a little different. Uh, but when they built that stadium, just the excitement. I remember when we got to go down there the first time and just, you know, practice in the stadium. It was it was crazy, man. I mean, just to see something being built, see that transformation, then actually get to be the one of the first people to get in there and actually get to get on that field and break it in, so to say. Um it was good, man. I mean, it was big for the city. It was big for us as players, and we loved it. Yeah, and so going to that stadium, opening days, you know, that season kind of went up and down. But but one memory that stuck with me in that stadium uh, was kind of like the coming out year of Stefan Diggs. You know, had some big moments here and there in that stadium. Uh, you know, you see the pictures in the locker room of you guys, like, getting ready for, for games. Uh, just Just you can see him becoming who he is now. Um, you saw his personality start to come out as the season got longer and longer. Uh, but but when you look at Stefan Diggs and then Justin Jefferson, same thing, lightning in the bottle by game three and four, uh, he became a star as well. What are the similarities you saw, you see in Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson when you watch him from afar? Man, I mean, I haven't got to really meet Justin Jefferson, but Stefan Diggs is one of my guys. So I remember when we drafted Stefan, um, Coach Stu came up to me. He's like, hey, guy, hey, I want you to take this kid under your wing. Um, we just drafted him like he can go either way. He's going to be really, really great or he can be out of league in, in a couple of years just because of, I guess, his past history. So mm-hmm. me and Stefan grew pretty clo- close, pretty, pretty fast. And I think it was like the fourth game I went down with a broken rib. He got his time like he you could see how frustrated he was not being able to address those first three or four games. He was just like you could see because that's just like his mentality. Denver Broncos man coverage team. He got his time. Um, I broke my rib. He got to get in there, and he and now now everybody knows who Stephon Diggs is, right? And that's just it's been his approach from the very beginning. He's always the guy who wants to work the hardest. He don't want to lose, and he has just this this passion, this desire to win. And I see that from afar from Justin Jefferson as well. His route running, his critique, how much he loves playing the game, and he's excited about it. Um, he don't just play the wide receiver position as like, hey. Let's go out here and run routes and get open. Him and Stefan Diggs both understand the art of playing the wide receiver's position and getting out there and learning how to get open and being creative with with route running. And like at the end of the day, they both know how to, you know, just win and and, yeah. and, and really impact the, the team on a high level. Yeah, and the the this high level offense now that Justin Jefferson is going to be in. I mean, we saw the Rams, we saw Odell Beckham. You know, we heard the stories. We seen Cooper Cup. I mean, we know what Cooper mm. Cup does. Yeah. And so when you look at this Vikings offense and what they're going to be, because everybody uh, has alluded to it, it's going to have a Rams look to it. Kevin O'Connell has said he's going to keep C.J. Ham and run a two back system. Still, C.J. Ham is going to play some H back lining up, you know, motion into the tight end position. But when you think about that, you know, three receivers, two backs. You know, four receivers, one back, uh, two receivers, two tight ends, one back, one tight end, three receivers. For the most part, it's always three to four wide with yeah. the Rams and Kevin O'Connell and the, and the Vikings now uh, versus when you were there. It was kind of like, hey, we got to run the ball. We got to run the yeah. ball. Then we can pass. Uh, how exciting or how like itchy would you have been to want to be in this offense? Man, it would have been super exciting. I mean, as a receiver, you want to get the ball, right? You want to be in the passing offense. That's just that's just what you want to do as a – 
a really good game for a receiver is like seven to ten catches. That's really, really good game, right? Yeah. Uh, so when you're ever when you're in an offense that you know you're gonna generate more more opportunities, it's always exciting. Whereas I was there, I mean, we had Adrian Peterson, right? Yep. Um, he's one of those guys that you got to get the ball in his hand. Um, I mean, they got Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is unreal. Um, they got a lot of talent there at the Minnesota Vikings. You got, like I said, Justin Jefferson. Got my guys, Thieves. They got some talented receivers. They got some talented skilled players and O-line, D-line. So I'm excited to see this offense, man. I mean, I, I really love what he did with the Rams, how he made that impact. But as a passing guy, as a receiver, I <laughs> I always say it, the <laughs> offense goes as we go. And so, <laughs> and so looking at a, a bonus question, I got like two bonus questions for you. Uh, first, like in 2013, you, you went to the Packers, so you were able to play with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what was that like? Like, what was Aaron Rodgers like? Man, it was – I remember, man, it was crazy. Um, so, you know, we do our first two days as rookie minicamp, and then the vets finally come in on that, that next following week. And um, I remember when he walked into the indoor facility and one of the first things he says, he's walking over to the, our us rookie stretch and he's like, hey, where's that Charles Johnson kid everybody is talking about? And I just remember being like, like, just shot like a little <laughs> baby. I raised my hand um, and like he was really that guy, man. I've never seen a guy as committed as him to the craft. Like when I every other system I've been in, the offensive coordinator ran the team meetings, the offensive mm-hmm. meeting. Aaron Rodgers ran the, the offensive meetings. He was the guy getting up there, doing the installs, talking about it, calling guys out of the out of the crowd to come up there and write stuff on the board or do hand signals. That's how he challenged us as rookies. And he just – he wanted perfection. He wanted things done right. Um, but he was also he, – he had a certain type of swag. It's hard to explain, but I remember I got my first opportunity with him uh, with the ones like the second day of practice – um, they was like, hey, you get to go in there with the ones this play. I knew my route. It was something easy. Sure enough, Aaron Rodgers starts audibling and giving me hand signals, and I end up messing up the route. And I, I remember him telling it, playing his day, he was like, hey, Coach EB, don't put Charles back in with me until he knows his plays. I was like, man, it's my second day, and you're audibling and give me hand signals. <laughs> so that, But that's how he was. Like, he would call us up in the middle of meetings, hey, get up here, Rooks, uh, do all the hand signals. But he was committed to being great in it. Like he's, it's unreal to watch him just throw the ball in practice. Like it was, it was crazy. <laughs> day two on the job. Yeah, day two he got me, got me good. So, so last one. Uh, Kirk Cousins gets a lot of flack, you know, but Kirk Cousins does throw for over four thousand yards, you know. But of course, people want to say garbage time sometimes, whatever you want to call it. What does Kirk Cousins have to do in order to be considered like an Aaron Rodgers or get Aaron Rodgers like respect? Um, you know, because he probably only has about three or four years left, maybe, you know, because he might he might go past that. But, you know, three or four good years left in his career. Um, what does Kirk Cousins need to do to overcome some of those, uh, I guess, talkers that, that want to say Kirk Cousins can't get it done? Yeah, I mean, I love Coach Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. His biggest thing that all, all the critics say is that he can't win in, in crunch time and big time situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've. I met Kirk back when I was in college. So when I was at Grand Valley State, every summer we would go to Michigan State or they'd come to us and we'd do seven on seven, Michigan State versus Grand Valley State. So that's when I first met Kirk my junior year. Like, and I remember seven on seven, like it was unreal. You couldn't stop him from throwing the ball. Like he made every pass, he done it right. And he has the natural arm talent. He has the mindset to to be a really great quarterback. Um, but a lot of people put 
everything back on the quarterback. Like, okay, if we lose in a big game, that doesn't mean the quarterback only lost. It's a team sport. So sometimes people forget about that, man. Um, and being a wide receiver, I understand it the most because I know I don't get the ball unless the right player is called, the defense is in the right defense, the O-line block it up, the quarterback and center get the exchange, the the running back uh, picks up his check. So I know I'm, I'm dependent on everybody else on that mm -hmm. team before I can even get a catch. Um, so I don't – I'm never going to put it just on one person, man. This is the ultimate team sport. Um, so it's the team collectively in those big situations. Are we really the best that we can be in those situations? And then we can filter down to, to the quarterback. Like if he was going out there and just not remembering plays and stuff, that would be one – that would be a different story. But right. – he going out there and performing. It's just on a stage. I think as collectively as a unit, um, he just haven't been able to put it together with his teammates. Well, that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show and Charles Johnson's interview today. I want to thank Charles for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Please make sure you stick around. Next up, we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes. Stay tuned. Do you want instant post-game reaction from the insiders that cover your favorite teams? Well, check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game, our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders like Kevin Gorg for the Wild and Brandon Warren for the Twins. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. They say three times is a charm, so wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever. You get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota. Well, it's the time of the show that I love, and that's the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Take it away, Sam. Respected ESPN writer Bill Barnwell ranked the quality of all teams off seasons. Where do you have the Vikings? Right in the middle, 17th the 17th best offseason. Not the best, not the worst, smack dab in the middle. Ron, is that too high, too low, or just right? I'm going to say it's just right offseason-wise because offseason means nothing, to be honest. Let's let's be honest. Everybody's a Super Bowl champion in the offseason. Everybody talks about their big moves. Um, look at the Rams. The Rams got better during the season. They added Von Miller. They added guys during the season. Eric Weddle decided to join. Uh, I don't know exactly when, but I know I saw the story of how they called Eric Weddle up and said they need help. <laughs> you know, he's like, do, I, do you want me to come coach? They're like, no, we need you to come play safety. But if you look at teams like that, it's it's not over yet. There, If J.C. Treader is still out there, who knows when he might be added, um, if he would join the Vikings, if he realizes, like, look, this is my best chance to, to probably make the playoffs, win a Super Bowl with this offense, and I'm not actually doing a ton. I have a, a running back like Dalvin Cook. Why not? But if you look at the reason why, so you look at the draft, they ranked NFL teams as well. Who got better after the draft? The Vikings were ranked 23rd. Uh, Post-free agency ranking was 21. Yours now is 17. So they're on the uptick at least. They're starting to go up because people are starting to hear about this offense. But this is the thing I want to look at. Players who benefited the most from the NFL draft on the Vikings, fullback C.J. Ham. <laughs> they say if you think about it, uh, the Vikings didn't draft a tight end until the seventh round. Um, and Nick Muse, despite the relative lack of depth behind the starters, Irv Smith Jr., who missed most of 2021, there was a lack. Oh, why the lack of urgency? Well, it turns out Coach Kevin O'Connell plans to use a versatile ham in two back sets, and he can motion in the spots where the tight end would traditionally be used because why? You're just blocking from there. 
the Vikings among the few teams that will incorporate a fullback into their scheme. That's from Kevin Seifert, Vikings uh, beat writer for ESPN. And so you look at that. We're going to get Kevin Seifert on the show now that I think about that because we need to talk about this. And now when you think about that with, with, with C.J. Ham and the Vikings, I think 17 is right where it's at. They were at 21, went down to 23. Now they're back to 17 because people are starting to talk about it. People are starting to ask these insiders, hey, what does the Vikings look like? I'll be at practice next week, and so I'm looking forward to that as well. Um and, and I'm shooting a show with the Vikings and I'm going to stay for practice. And I just want to see like, what, are, what, what does the team look like? Is the energy different? Is the music different? Uh, what are the snacks? Is this, are the snacks different? Like, so for the off season, I don't think it matters. Yeah. I mean, I feel like personnel wise, they, re- they lost guys and then they kind of replaced them one for one. You know, you mm-hmm. lose Everson, you bring in Zadarius. That might be an upgrade. Um, you, you know, you lose Anthony Barr, you bring in Jordan Hicks that might kind of break even maybe a slight downgrade, but it's, uh, they really did find replacements for all the guys they lost and they replaced the coach and that's the biggest change. So it's whether you view that as a positive or a negative is kind of where I think you would fall on this particular issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, NBA draft coming up fast. CBS sports mock draft has the wolves taking Jaden Hardy. You might be scratching your head thinking, I didn't hear about Jaden Hardy last year in college basketball. Well, he didn't play it. He advanced immediately to the NBA G League. That's mm-hmm. an option now for guys who want to kind of get the NBA, get on the NBA path a little sooner, make some money. And uh, how do you feel, Ron, about drafting a player that's never played college basketball? Well, the NBA G League, in my opinion, is a little bit better. Um, depending on the competition. Now, some of these teams aren't good overall, but you're getting NBA-style workouts. Uh, you, you're, you're being treated like an, an adult and a pro. Um, he's also from Detroit. So 6'4 kid, Detroit, Michigan born. Uh, he just has that it factor. Like, there's a thing, though. We, we, in high school, we know he was good. He played for Vegas Elite AAU. So we know all that. We know all that about J- uh, Jaden Hardy. But when you, when you think about that, again, hard-nosed, blue-collar kid, um can combo guard uh primarily shooting guard but can play because in today's nba you don't have you don't need a john stockton anymore you don't need a guy like that you look at devin booker yeah yeah chris paul but chris paul wasn't chris paul like chris paul wasn't doing the things he used to do uh the days of the chris pauls like primarily it's going away steph curry is not a true point guard even though we might call him the best point guard of all time when it's all said and done with his ability to shoot he's a shooting guard he's just small um, but a six four kid like that, like Hardy, a combo guard that can bring the ball up the court. Him and Anthony Edwards can take turns bringing it up. You put two explosive guards on the court. You move on from D'Lo. Maybe he's the answer. Who knows? Um, but when you think about that, I think the G League, it, 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 college basketball isn't what it used to be. You know, a lot of these college teams are just loading up for one year and then they're moving on. So you're not getting, again, you're not getting uh, the congruity, the, 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 the team togetherness. You're not getting the plays. You're not getting the, the teaching of Coach K for four years like Grant Hill, Christian Layton, and all these guys that went to Duke for at least two or three years. Uh, you're not getting the, 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 the Jalen Roses and Chris Webbers who had to stay in school for at least two to three years. You're getting guys that are going for one year and then they're out. Look at Ben Simmons. Yeah, great player, but he, he doesn't have it. You know, you're you're not, you know, he's being forced to come in early and play. So now a kid got to go to the G League. They got to scout and watch him play. They got to see him. And so now the Timberwolves can make an honest decision say, hey, look, we've seen this guy around pro talent, around pro style guys that are two-way players that sit on our bench as our eighth man, our ninth man, our tenth man. And how did Jaden uh, do against them? Well, now you know. Now you have the true answer of how he can do against pros. Again, 
putting two guards on the floor, a six four and a six five guard. Uh unless they say, I mean, I know they said Anthony Edwards grew a little bit. So uh, but but a six four, six five, six six guard, two guys together out there with Carlin D Towns. Hey, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. Why not? Um, you know, people question the Anthony Edwards draft and look where he's at. So hey, if that's who they think will fall to the to the wolves because of the whole like they may not, you know, offer D low money to come back. And they think they can get that out of this kid, knowing that Anthony Edwards is the guy in Carlin Towns. I'm, 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 I'm with it. Yeah, and it's important too in the G League. You, you get to see how they react to that longer three point line. College yep. still has that short three. The game is just different. It's more based around the centers and the paint. Uh, the NBA is not. The NBA is a perimeter game now. So you get to see how he reacts to that long three point line, space on the floor, moving the ball, kind of that modern style of play. Last one. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are 18-0, and 0, Ron. This is an amazing stat. Under Steve Kerr in Western Conference playoff series. They've never lost. They've never lost in a Western Conference playoff series. They've gotten to the finals every time they've reached the playoffs under Steve Kerr. Are we at the point where we need to put Steve Kerr in the pantheon of the greatest NBA coaches of all time up there with Jackson and Popovich and Auerbach and all of the greats? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you think about Popovich, you think about Phil Jackson, you think about Pat Riley, you think about Daly, Chuck Daly with the Pistons. Um, like you said, our back with the, with, with Boston, um, he's up there. Like he's right up there. Like that's, that's the thing. Like you can't deny the fact that he goes and he wins now. Yes. He's had some great rosters, but he takes so many wins. Like you've had other Boston LA Bulls rosters with Hall of Famers on those teams. And so, yeah, Steve Kerr benefited from learning from Michael Jordan. He learned from Phil Jackson. And now he's implementing that into his team. He's a great uh, manager of players. The other cool thing that I did not realize this, and it was kind of cool, I saw it, and and every year Kendrick Lamar has dropped an album. The Warriors have won a championship. And so they just did that. Like Kendrick Lamar just dropped an album. Mm-hmm. Warriors are going to win. Like, I don't know if it's Kendrick's album comes out, they play it in the locker room and all of a sudden their, 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 their game is boosted. Don't know what it is, but every single year from damn all the way down to now to the, to, to the, uh, to the morales, Mr. Morale, like warriors are there. Then Kendrick Lamar are like this, you know, so that's that's where I see it happening. Um, that's where I see this Warriors team. Uh, I got to give shout outs to uh, Ken, Ken, Kendrick Lamar because clearly him and uh, Steve Kerr are, are, are hand in hand. But yeah, no, you, you got to put Steve Kerr up there. You, you have to like, yeah, you can say Kevin Durant came in and helped them out. Yeah, you could say uh, this team came in and helped them out. Uh, but the Western to, to make it every single time, even though they didn't win every time, because we know LeBron and, and Kyrie snuck one from them. But to make it, and that's even crazier. They made it. Kendrick Lamar didn't drop an album that year, so LeBron ended up winning. Like, that's what's crazy if you think about that. Like, they should have won that. They were up 3-1. And Kendrick Lamar was like, I'm not going to drop an album this year. I think LeBron They were missing their it. sixth man. They were they missing needed it. their sixth man off the bench. They were missing it. So that's, that's why I say, yes, yeah, Steve Kerr should be up in the rafters with Popovich, with Phil Jackson, with Pat Riley, with Chuck Daly. Yeah, I guess he needs to be – considered one of the greats they even but i know i know doc river's name pops up in that just because he's been around but steve kerr i think as far as championships has surpassed even doc rivers now 
Yeah, I mean, I think with all the rings he has as a coach and a player with the Bulls, he's got to be filling up all 10 digits at this point. I'm just curious to see how long he coaches because he strikes me as the kind of coach that once he's bored with it or once he's tired of traveling and being away from his family, I think he's just going to hang it up. I mean, he's yeah. the kind of, I think he's going to have a short run, kind of John Madden like, where he wins and then he sails off into the sunset and broadcasts and makes a lot of money. Yeah, maybe. And I, and I know he's getting sick of like the, the social justice stuff that's been going on. Uh, you see his frustration in that, too. So, yeah, I could always see him picking up a, a legislation pad and, and all of a sudden saying, you know what, I'm going to run for governor of California or something like that. Like, I feel like he could win. Like <laughs> the way people yeah. love Steve Kerr and he's kind of even keel. He's on both sides. He's not like heavy one way, heavy this way. He's heavy, you know, do the right thing. And if you get a guy like that in office, I mean, we've seen celebrities and athletes, you know, do it before. Herschel Walker's trying to do it, which he is ridiculously crazy. Um, I don't see why Steve Kerr wouldn't. Why not? Let's start that movie. Hashtag Steve Kerr into the <laughs> into politics. Steve Kerr for Prez. Steve Kerr for Prez. But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson show today. I want to thank you guys for joining. Please check us out. Go back and watch the Charles Johnson interview. It was great. Uh, make sure you check out the open. We got some good talk about Vikings. Are they cursed? Is this a playoff thing? Is Minnesota sports as a whole curse? We never know. But please make sure you subscribe and download uh, on YouTube. And also take us wherever you are on any podcast platform and you can listen. Have a great day.